0: Mark chapter 16, verses 1 through 8, listen now for God's word to you. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome brought spices so that they may go and anoint Jesus. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. They had been saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? When they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled back. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, "'Do not be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has been raised. He is not here. Look, there is the place that they laid him. But go and tell his disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of you to Galilee.' There you will see him just as he told you. So they went out and fled from the tomb, for terror and amazement had seized them, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. The word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. So the 1970s seemed to be a time in history where Jesus' life was turned into an inordinate number of musicals. Um, there is my favorite Jesus Christ Superstar I remember the very first Easter that I was a pastor they had the NBC version of it with John Legend and everything it was the first time I actually saw Jesus Christ Superstar and I fell in love with it from that moment on and often during the season of Lent and this lead up to Holy Week and Easter I listened to the soundtrack on repeats sort of rock opera kind of feel to it And then there is the movie or the musical Godspell with a decidedly much more hippie vibe to it. And I remember the very first time I saw Godspell, my sister-in-law Mary is a very big fan of the musical and she had a DVD copy of it. And So when Heather and I were still dating, she was was excited to show Godspell to me and so we sat together and Heather, Mary, and I sat together in my mother-in-law's living room and we watched Godspell together. Now, I remind you of this all the time. I was not alive in the 1970s. Um, but everything about this movie strikes me as very stereotypical of the 1970s, from the campy special effects, to the awful, awful clothing, to the fact that in the movie, Jesus has a sweet perm. Um, <laughs> the movie, of course, is a retelling of Jesus' life as if he lived in 1970s New York, and it's based off of the parables found in the Gospel of Matthew. And the first time I watched it, I really loved God's Love, the ways that they had kind of moved Jesus into the modern world. I loved the, the, the vision of love and peace that was presented throughout the movie. And as I'm watching the movie, Jesus' life progresses forward just as it does in the Gospels. We finally come to the events of Holy Week that we have just gone through. Monday, Thursday, Jesus' betrayal, we come to the, the crucifixion, and all of that happens. And And when all of that is over, I'm finally ready for the best part of the movie. I am ready for how they're going to portray Easter. What is Jesus' resurrection going to look like in God's spell? But of course, that's not what happens in God's spell. Jesus' disciples pick up his body, and they begin to walk through the streets of New York singing day by day, and then the credits roll and the movie's over. And I leap out of my seat, and I say, That's not the end of the movie. Where is the resurrection? And Heather and Mary look at me and say, What's wrong with you? It's just a movie. Relax. (laughs) But I was insistent, that's not the end of the story. Where is the resurrection, I said. Now, all these years later, I'll admit I probably overreacted a little bit. Um, It is just a movie. It's an artistic representation. I've learned to enjoy God's spell for what it is. But I must confess to you all this morning that uh, as we read Mark's account of Easter, I want to leap out of my seat again and say this is not the end of the story. How could that be the end of the story? Did you notice how the reading ended? That the women come with spices ready to prepare Jesus' body for burial, and the tomb has been opened, and there's a man, an angel, saying, Christ is not here, he's been risen. And then they run from the tomb in fear and amazement, saying nothing to anybody. That's how the Gospel of Mark ends. Certainly that can't be the end, right? Where are all those well-loved parts of the Easter story, those very familiar parts of this day? Where is that, that story of Mary Magdalene weeping outside the tomb and talking to who she thinks is the gardener, only to realize that she's talking to her beloved rabbi who has risen from the dead. And then she runs back to the disciples and says, I have seen the Lord. The first Easter sermon in history, and, a, and in the unfortunate history of the church where women's voices have often been silenced, it's a reminder to us that we would not know anything about the resurrection. There would be no Easter if it were not for women preachers, but we don't find that in Mark's account. We find that in the Gospel of John. Or what about that grand spectacle of the guards standing outside of the tomb with the tomb sealed up and then a giant earthquake happens and the guards shake and become like dead men. It's, high, it's a high drama moment. We find that only in the Gospel of Matthew. Or what about that, that story I recount almost every time we come to the communion table, that story of those two disciples sitting around the table eating with somebody they think is a stranger only to realize in the breaking of bread that it is Jesus. As beautiful as that story is, we find that not in Mark, but we find that only in the Gospel of Luke. What we get in Mark's Gospel is verse sixteen eight: The women running from the tomb in fear and amazement and not saying anything to anybody, the credits roll and the story is over. That can't be the end of the story, right? Don't you all want to leap out of your seats and say the same thing? That's not the end of the story, Apparently, there was a group of second-century Christians who felt very similarly. Uh, If you look in your Bibles, you'll see after verse 8, there's a little subtitle that says the longer ending of Mark. It's verses 9 through 20. And, oh, you all are pulling out your Bibles. You all are so good. Um, You're going to fact-check me. Good. I like that. Um, Neither the subtitle nor the verses that follow are original to to Mark's gospel. We've got more fact-checkers over here. So this is a group of second century Christians who were just as bothered as I am, and maybe others are, about the ending to Mark's gospel, and they sat down to write down all of these other events, all the other events that we know from the other gospels. And there's some stuff in there that doesn't look anything like Mark would have said, doesn't look like anything Jesus would have said. You ever been to one of those snake handling churches or seen one of those snake handling churches? Well, they get that from a verse that is found in 9 through 20. Jesus talks about picking up snakes and not being bitten. Not original to Mark's gospel, there is some weird stuff in there. And we might be tempted to do the same sort of thing with Mark's gospel, to kind of fill it in with all the other elements we know from the Easter story. But when we do that, I think it looks like a poorly photoshopped photo. It just doesn't look quite right. There was uh, one scholar who said that in the days when Mark would have written his gospel down, Uh, that it was written down on a scroll and not on leaves of paper like we have today. And so the scrolls were known for tearing away at the beginnings and the ends. And so Mark had a, he, he theorizes that Mark had a longer ending originally, but we simply have lost it to time. Maybe, but to me that seems like conjecture. And even if there was a longer ending to Mark, we don't have it. So I'm not sure how much that helps us. What we get is 16.8, the women running from the tomb in fear and amazement and not saying anything to another soul. How can that be the end of the story? Certainly that can't be the end of the story, right? But maybe we can make sense of Mark's ending if we flip all the way back to the beginning of the gospel, all the way back to chapter 1, verse 1, and we realize that Mark begins just as abruptly as Mark ends that Mark doesn't have a whole lot of details. He kind of just throws us in on the deep end. There's no stories of virgin conceptions and births and all of those things, or, God, or Jesus' preexistence with God. Mark simply begins his gospel with one simple sentence that is incredibly profound. He says, the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And so the question then becomes, where does the beginning of the good news end? When are we no longer in the beginning of the good news, and when are we somewhere in the middle or in the conclusion of the story? Does the, the beginning of the good news happen after, end after that first statement by Mark? Does it end after Jesus' baptism? Does it end somewhere during Jesus' ministry as he ministers among the sick and the poor and the dispossessed, as he shares table fellowship with the outcasts and the outsiders, as he announces the arrival of the kingdom of God? Is that where the beginning of the good news ends? Or does it end after Jesus is crucified? Because we've just been through Holy Week, and there are people who did not like what Jesus was saying, that the good news to them was very bad news, that it created cracks in the foundation of their carefully constructed status quo, and so they crucified him. Is that where the beginning of the good news ends? Does it end somewhere out there on that hill outside of Jerusalem called Golgotha? Where does the beginning of the good news end in Mark? Or maybe, as the beloved preacher Tom Long suggests, the entire gospel of Mark is only the beginning of the good news. From Jesus' baptism, from his ministry among those who are hurting and left out, from his announcement of the arrival of the kingdom of God, from his sharing and table fellowship with those outsiders and outcasts, from his crucifixion, and yes, even here to Easter morning, all of it is only the beginning of the good news. I think that Mark writes his Easter story like this on purpose. I think Mark is kind of a, a little bit of a genius in a lot of ways, both literarily and theologically, that, that Mark knows that Easter Sunday is not just a once-a-year celebration. We sing all the wonderful hymns. We get dressed up, right? The pastor wears his stole for once in a while, We do all of these great celebratory things, but Mark knows that this is only the beginning, that the story continues, it does not end. This is only the beginning of the good news. What Mark does with his gospel is when he comes to the very final sentences, he puts a comma instead of a period. It is only the beginning of the good news. If Christ has been raised, and it is only the beginning. If Christ has been raised, and it is only the beginning of what is possible. That we live now on Easter time. That as we come to the tomb this morning, as we stare in where the stone once sat, we realize that the world is completely different now. That neither no longer do things have to carry on as they always have. No longer do we have to see the world as it always has been but we can see the world as it could and should be because Christ has been raised and it is only the beginning of the good news. The story continues on in our own lives. It is only the beginning because Christ has gone back to the beginning. As we listen to the angelic announcement in the Gospel of Mark, what does he say to us? He says that Jesus has gone back to Galilee. He has gone back to the place where it all began, back where his ministry took place. And if you know anything about the Gospel of Mark, this is the perfect ending to his Gospel, that Jesus throughout Mark is a man of action, a man who goes immediately there and immediately in this place. He does not stop for much of anything. So where does Jesus go fresh from the tomb? He gets back to work. He gets back to work among those who are in need, who are longing, who are seeking justice. Jesus in the Gospel of Mark goes back to where it all begins. And I think that is what Easter faith is for Mark. That if we want to experience the fullness of Easter in our lives, that we don't experience it only in the great hymns of this day or the beautiful Easter brunch that we're going to have later thank you Nancy for that we don't experience it only in the theological statements we make or in the great proclamation of today Christ is risen he is risen indeed we experience the fullness of Easter as we run from the tomb and meet Christ where he is as he still lives and works in the world around us Yes, maybe today we run from the tomb with fear and trembling like the women did, because who would not tremble a little bit at the awesomeness and the experience of this day? But we run from the tomb and we meet Christ where he is. That if we want to experience the fullness of Easter, we find it as we meet him, as he still works among those who are hungry and poor and dispossessed, as he still seeks to show love to those who are in love, as he seeks to emblema, emblema, amplify grace for us. Easter is about running from the tomb and finding Christ where he still is. Uh, The existentialist philosopher and theologian Peter Rollins was once quoted as saying this. He says, without equivocation or hesitation, I fully and completely admit that I deny the resurrection of Christ. This is something that anyone who knows me could tell you, and I am not afraid to say it publicly, no matter what some people may think. And this is where people often gasp a theologian denying the resurrection of Jesus. But he continues, and he says, I deny the resurrection of Christ every time I do not serve at the feet of the oppressed. Every time that I turn my back on the poor, I deny the resurrection of Christ when I close my ears to the cries of the downtrodden and lend my support to an unjust and corrupt system. However, there are moments when I affirm the resurrection, few and far between as they are, I affirm it when I stand up for those who are forced to live on their knees, when I speak for those who have had their tongues torn out, when I cry for those who have no more tears left to shed. That is Easter faith, I think. Affirming our faith in what we do in the ways that we run from the tomb this morning that Mark believes Jesus is alive and well in the world around us. And he tells us where he is, and it is up to us now to go and to find him, to find him in all of the Galilees of the world. And Galilee is all around us. It's anywhere where we find the poor and the hurting and the suffering and those who are unloved, those who are longing for a place to be included. That is where Galilee is. It is joining Christ in the continual work of Easter. It is serving at the feet of the oppressed. It is offering food to the hungry. And whenever we do that, we affirm Easter. And now, my dear friends, it is our turn to run from the tomb. It is our turn to run and to go into the world. The the women run in fear and amazement for now, but eventually they said something to somebody because we know about it. Christ has been raised So run from the tomb this morning, run from the tomb, the grave clothes lie empty, go into all of those places of death and forsakenness and speak life to people. Run from the tomb this morning and go and find Christ as he is still around in all of the Galilee's of the world. Find him among the poor and the downtrodden, the sick and the suffering, the unjustly treated and the oppressed. Find him and with your life make new possibilities for peace and justice. Run from the tomb this morning and find Christ as he still exists among those who are loved and left out and show love to those that nobody loves. Run from those tombs of guilt and shame. You are free. Run from the tomb this morning. Christ has been raised. The story is not over. The good news continues with us. Affirm Easter with your lives. Happy Easter to you all and amen.